for me, here's what it did is I didn't realize how much bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, but safety, security, stability, I was putting in my stuff. And that's part of, I mean, kind of social conditioning though. Totally. I mean, you look around and, and that's what brings people and makes them feel like safe and secure and like I have things together and I can control this because I've got my, my stuff. Welcome to the Forging Metal Podcast with your blacksmiths, Tara O'Brien and Ron Duran Jr. Come inside and grab your hammer. The fire is hot and ready. It's time to harden up. Let's get to work. The Forge is now open. Thanks for joining us and hanging out for another week. Julia and Travis Gentry, married for 12 years, parents of four kids, living the super cool, adventurous life that I'm very jealous about, which we'll get into. They are podcasters and co-founders of The Dream Factory and Co. Thank you so much for both of you joining us this week. Thank you for having us. Yes. I'm going to jump right in to what I just alluded to, which is the lifestyle that I want you to share with us today and kind of paint a picture for everybody that's listening, because, you know, we've heard a little bit of um, this in the last probably 10 years from parents kind of going into a little bit more of an unconventional lifestyle, especially with children attached to that. And I, I find it fascinating. I think there's a lot of mixed ideas on the value systems that are created there. But you guys have four kids that you have very much completely turned your lives upside down. And if can you just kind of give us a little bit of background on how this got started, what I'm talking about here, and what your life looks like right now? That's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> how far back do we go here? Oh, man. Well, I think I'll, I'll kind of tell you where we're, well, we will shoot to, right? Mm -hmm. and, and I think that Travis and I have this belief that our kids don't need more parents putting their dreams on the shelf. And I think that it's really easy as parents to start to believe that our kids could get in the way of our dreams and I'm just going to put my dream on the shelf, right? And then I'm going to do the things that need to be done and I'm going to pay bills and I'm going to do all the things. And then when I, right, then I'll live my dream. And I think that then it kind of becomes table talk and then it becomes routine. And then you talk to a lot of the other friends, cousins, sisters, brothers who are doing a lot of the same things. And number one, I think that Travis and I have always been a little bit radical in what we wanted out of life, but I think that we didn't want to be those types of parents that said, well, it's selfish to pursue your dreams. We wanted to not just tell our kids to pursue your dreams. We wanted to show them what it looked like. And so that's, that was really, I think, the premise of why we've really done what we've done even since having Malachi seven years ago, because our life really in these seven years has looked probably anything but traditional. But that's the basis of where it started for us, is that the least selfish thing you could do is chase your dreams, because I just believe kids need to watch their parents do that. And so we're doing that. And do what you... is that? Like, what are your kids watching you do? Tell us. Yeah, so this journey started... About four years ago, maybe five years ago. So we have what we call a midlife awakening. And that's when we had Malachi. We had a beautiful 10-acre property, totally remodeled, started to, to expand and have the cars and the house and all the stuff that you think will make you filled and satisfied. 
had our first child, had a dog, and just woke up one morning, I think both of us within a matter of a week or two, and just felt like there's got to be more to life. There's got to be more than just this settling down, living here for the next 20, 30 years, raising our kids and going through the routine of life, knowing that we feel called to go out into the world and to experience different environments, different little cities and cultures and food and people. And we just feel that we were called to do something outside of the norm. And so with that midlife awakening, both of us, we were on the same page right from the get-go. And years back, I met Julia when I was, she was 17. I'm a little bit older. I was 22 when I met her, but we've always talked about the dreams and the ideas that we wanted to pursue and live out. And we started to kind of like just fall in what we'd consider the status quo. We're going to get a job or have a business and stay put and kind of grind it out for, you know, 20, 30 years and save up. And then we can travel in an RV or then we can do whatever we want to do. And at that moment, we were like, no, we've always talked about traveling in an RV. So we rented our house purposefully to a nonprofit organization that we believed in and got our RV, traveled for about three months. And, you know, life, life happens where, you, you know, you step into what you want and there's going to be resistance and fear that comes up. So we kind of backed down a little bit, I would say. I found another house to remodel. And so we went back to Colorado. I remodeled the house and I'll try to keep it short, but there's a long story behind all of this and remodeled the house in three, four days before we were going to move into it. It caught fire. And this, by the way, is when I'm pregnant with wow. our third child. So fast oh, no. a lot happened in this time. So I'm pregnant with our third child and Travis calls and he says, are you sitting down? And I was like, no, I'm not. Do I need to be <laughs> with my parents at the time as, as I was remodeling the house, it took a couple months. So when we went back to Colorado, mm-hmm. we stayed with my folks and yeah, a couple of days, three days, actually, my parents were going to pick up some lumber that I needed to finish something. Julia was at home with the kids, two of the kids. And I called her and yeah, broke the news of, hey, the, yeah, fire department's coming. And not only the fire department, but the city, everyone showed up. It looked like, I mean, the house was going to burn but, down but to the ground. But to point, just because I know you guys are so much about the grit, so if we're going to give you the high level, right? But what that did is, to his point, three months into our first time of doing this, right, we started to back off, right? There is this whole concept of self-sabotage, right? Like, as you start to chase the things that are most important to you, it's really easy to then kind of start downplaying it, or then to kind of start listening to the fear more than the faith or the worry and doubt more than where you're going, so the fire, in, in theory, liberated us to kind of make another change and a move. So we moved to Arizona, where we were for almost a year. But that dream kept chasing us, right? We, kept, we still kept talking about the RV that entire nine months to the point that we sat down at lunch one day and we looked at each other and we said, look, we're either doing this or we're never talking about it again, ever. So we sold everything, everything, at the beginning of 2018. And we traveled the country in an RV with three kids under the age of five. Oh my gosh. Um, and so that's really where the journey starts. So we lived that one out. So we ran that thing all the way to complete, right? To the finish line of uh, the country. We stayed in spots, what, three to five days max. Yeah, we, were, we were moving pretty quick. It was a, it was a little bit. In and out, kind of jump, <laughs> jumping around. But I think with, we're going back to selling everything. There again, that experience for us was 
like in so many ways, just such an awesome experience. I mean, we had a 3000 square foot house full of furniture, TVs, couches, beds, everything. And so the, the idea was to do a living estate sale. So I marketed it and within a matter, and I told Julia, and she was like, kind of like, really like sell everything. Like that's full commitment at that point. Like we don't have any for it. We have nothing to go back to. So I posted signs, put it on Craigslist and within a matter of probably two to three hours, 90% of our stuff in the house was gone. Yeah. But it called our bluff. Wow. Like, so it, we sold it wow. in the ships. You're in, you're committed. Whereas yeah. before, you know, we had enough ships still out sailing and we had, you know, we were able to kind of go back. And so that's, that's what kind of started where we are now. And that's, that's ultimate good news, bad news, right? It, it all sold and it sold in two or three hours and, and oh crap, now what? <laughs> exactly. Now yeah. you so <laughs> that's a fascinating thing. You know, this, this idea of we as a society, I believe, and I know I'm generalizing, but we as a society put such a high value on our material possessions. So what did that feel like to, to watch it all go bye-bye? I mean, especially, you know, you guys had, it sounds like a lot of nice things. And, and how is that tied into your identity? And, and how did you feel? Did you feel like you had a loss of identity in, in that moment? Well, we'll probably have two very different answers. Our year experience was extremely different. So Travis had a midlife awakening. I had a midlife crisis. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll, I'll answer for me and then I'll let him answer for me. It, it was to your point. I, I had 17 vases and like a thousand gift bags. And I mean, when you really started unpacking, I mean, and I would lift up and I, the, I kid you not, we're getting ready to move into an RV you guys. And I'd lift up a vase and I'd go travel. Like, should we just say, should we save this one for, and he'd look at me like, are you out of your mind? <laughs> but for me, here's what it did is I didn't realize how much bottom of Maslow's hierarchy, but safety, security, stability, I was putting in my stuff. Interesting. Um, I, and that's why that year for me, though it was amazing and very freeing and really cool to experience all of the things that we did, I didn't realize that I was a controller. I didn't realize, I shouldn't say that. I've always known that I'm a controller, not at this <laughs> level. I didn't realize how much I said I trusted God, but I didn't really trust God. I didn't, I didn't realize how much I go, Oh no, like I, you know, just do the things that are hard that challenge you. No, honey, no, let's, we, we can talk more about that, but it showed me how much I was dependent on the things around me for safety, security, stability, consistency, all the things. Travis had a very different experience. And that's part of, I mean, kind of social conditioning though. Totally. I mean, you look around and, and that's what brings people and makes them feel like safe and secure. Mm -hmm. And like, I have things together and I can control this because I've got my, my stuff. Yep. My experience was like, it just set me free. Mm -hmm. I was like, this is amazing. Like we don't have all of this stuff. I like nice stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it just felt like you, you look in closets, you look in the garage, you look, we haven't even touched it in like two, three years. And it's like, but we keep dragging it from place to place to place thinking at some point, maybe we'll use this vase, 17 vases or whatever. Julia always packed our stuff. So I had no idea we had 17 vases. <laughs> she was like, put them all on the table. And I was like, I still, what like, is happening here? Yeah. Why? Why? Holy moly. So I had, uh. yeah, it was very freeing to me to be able to let go of that stuff, knowing that, you know, mm -hmm. it, it comes and goes. But that was the, one of the biggest principles for us was that it's not just about, 
right? Living your dreams is not just about acquiring more or having more. It's about what are you willing to let go of in order to go to a place you've never been. So mm. time we think that we have to learn more, do more, achieve more, have more, go more, all of those things. But in order to go to a place you've never gone, just like the climbers on Mount Everest, I have to be willing to let go, let go of mindset, let go of habits, let go of patterns. Cause what got me to where I am isn't going to take me to where I need to be. And so as much as I sat with that, I knew it wasn't about the vases though. There was a couple I really loved, right? I knew it wasn't about the vases, that if I could sit with the emotional awareness of, Oh shoot. Like if I really want to go there, right. Whatever dream or vision or idea I have, it was like a real time lesson in, you can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. What's not serving you or what got you to where you are. And you just need to say thank you and move on. And that's been priceless. I mean, to this day, we still talk about those things. What does that mean? It's not serving you. How do you characterize that? Yeah. So, okay. I'll give you an example in our life currently. I think all of us as people develop um, habits or routines or patterns that get us to where we are. Right. So let's say if you want to lose weight, I need to run, I need to walk. Okay. I need to walk more and eat less. Well, at some point then we plateau, right? Then when we plateau, if I keep doing that, I'm probably not going to lose even more weight. So I need to start doing interval training. Then I need to do some interval training. Well, then I'm again, I'm going to plateau at some point in time. So I probably need to lift some weights. Right. And so, so it doesn't mean that interval training is wrong. It just means that in order to get new results, I can't keep doing that. Mm. Right. Or in our life, I know you guys love to get meaty. One of the biggest things that we've stopped doing is drinking. Right. Not that we were alcoholics, but it was a place to hide. It was a place to be distracted. It was a place to not talk about emotions right? It was a place because we've got four kids and it was a really long day or it's warm outside or it's Monday or it's Friday or I didn't see up today or today sucked or, 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 or it's a or, pandemic. Or it's a yeah, pandemic. Right. And so we knew, okay, that this can't go with us in order to be more intuitive, in order to be more present, in order to really accomplish the things that we want to accomplish. It, it can't go with us, right? So this could be emotional. It could be literal. It could be physical. It could be mental. It's just the acknowledgement that I can't take it with me if I want to go to a place I've never been. How old are you guys? I am 39. And I'm 35. No. And, I'm and they, they both look like they're 25. <laughs> right? I had to ask because you can't tell. What kind of, because you're, you're right in the, the time frame when most of the world is acquiring all of this stuff, right? All the jobs, the money, the cars. Uh, what kind of ridicule have you suffered, especially with kids being a part of this journey with you? Because I'm sure there are listeners right now that are like, oh my God, if I was a parent, I wouldn't do that. But, and some like me, I'm your biggest fan. I think, you know, go for it. Tell me how to do that myself. But what, what kind of adversity or ridicule or, or shame or guilty feelings have you guys kind of had throughout the way? Good question. Yeah, we're actually going to do uh, a podcast on some of these things. So I was, I was putting down some notes. I was just seeing specifically, but I think a lot of the time, like for us, our family, I thank God for our family. You know, they've been really supportive. I mean, I think they, they make comments because they're curious. They're not trying to like be like mean or malicious or, but they're just curious because it's so abnormal of most of my family is kind of set up. They're living in a house and I, most of them will be there or maybe move once while they raise their kids, which is totally fine. 
But I also think there's a side of it where they are super intrigued because there's certain aspects of their life that they know that they're so scared to step into their dreams at this point because mm-hmm. they back themselves into all the things that well, I got to do the sporting events with the kids. I've got this on Tuesdays, this on Sunday. I've got the house payment. I've got, you know, do, 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 all the routines and the habit loops. And then you've got your friends. So you've got the social conditioning of people that once you, whether it's you're going to start to lose weight or you're going to stop drinking or you're going to move and pick up and move away, it rocks the boat. But I feel overall, my experience or my interpretation, I, one, don't really care too much about what other people <laughs> have. Something. That'll do it. And then Just I get straight at it. I think that, that's a great skill to have. I think my family has been super supportive. So that that's helped me personally, as far as friends, I think, you know, they really haven't said a whole lot to me, but even if they did, it wouldn't phase me because I'm more committed to living out my dreams and what I feel called to than living like a mediocre what I would consider a mediocre life. And, I'm in Dane life. And I think for us, we're, if we're going to get rid of cookies, what we really try to communicate is, you know, we're not just this like RV family that everyone should RV and everyone should be entrepreneurs and everyone and everyone. A lot of times when you see people doing unconventional things, they are really on that pedestal of like, do it like we're doing it. And we couldn't say like, we're further from that. Like we don't want people to do what we're doing. We want them to do what's in them to do. And so even though we call or used to call ours the RV or this unconventional travel that we're doing now you call yours yours right and we'll call ours ours because we're not trying to get all these RVers or like the travel the country that's not what we're trying to awaken we just want to awaken the dreamer that's on the inside of everybody now I will say that even some of our best I talked to two this week who get on the phone and they're like so I've been avoiding you I'm like yeah no I know (laughs) we get that a lot right like they don't want to hear the truth they're not ready for the truth they don't so we get that more than anything where people just go dark on us right or they don't respond or they've been falling and they're nothing and we get that we're more accustomed to probably just silence or avoidance but otherwise, yeah, you learn to your point, Ryan, you learn the skill of, I can't care. I have to care so much about what God's put on the inside of me. And that's what I'm here to do. I, I can't care. I can't afford to care. Yeah, I'll give some kudos. I, I listened to Michael Gervais, his podcast. And if you're not familiar, he's a performance coach for the Seattle Seahawks. And he calls it FOPO. The fear of other people's opinions. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so much of, of, I see people being driven by this so much, especially young folks, you know, that that I teach at the university that they they're so worried about what people think of them. So that's why I I was giving kudos to Travis and, and to you, Julie, it sounds like that, that you guys can kind of push that aside and say, you know what? criticize if you want, but this is our life and we're going to do it the way we want to do it. And I love that. I think that's a great, strong message. And I think one thing that you have, I think that there is these phases of awareness, right? So if, especially for someone listening right now, if they're saying, no, I I do care what other people think, or I care what that person thinks or whatever that might mean. I think you have to be able to recognize that. And then what you have to realize is that you've gotten away from the number one most important relationship, which is the one that you have with yourself. Right. Second, I don't want to say second to God. God is first. But even in that Christian conversation, they go, well, God loves me. But do you love you? You know, like there's so many that are like, yeah, but are you building a relationship with yourself? Are you doing what you say you're going to do? Are you doing? And that's where I feel like Travis and I have spent some time doubling down even lately because we're taking big risks right now. I mean, 
all chips are on the table for us in our lives right now. And we can totally dig into that more than ever before. I think, especially given COVID, especially with the direction we're taking our business, like all chips are on the table. And so in order to do that, you got to double down on your relationship. I believe with God, but with yourself, like I have my own back. I trust me. I care what I think more than other. And when you start to do that, then the tentacles of what other people think just naturally start to fall off. What, what if I said that scares me? What, you know, you're, you're saying we're putting all the chips on the table and, and this is a risk. This is dare, you know, maybe we don't use the word gamble, but this is, this is putting it out there. And when we put it out there, we're vulnerable. We could lose. Right. And so do you feel fear? I mean, what are the sensations that you guys have by taking those risks in life? Yeah. I would say that the first thing that comes to my mind is that you fail by not even starting. So you not even putting yourself out there or trying, uh, just showing up is 90% of it. So if you don't put yourself out, you failed. So to me, I would rather attempt it and get feedback or ridicule or whatever people's opinions. I respect people's opinions, but I'm not going to have it prohibit me and or my family to living out because I know what we're doing is helping people wake up to kind of the, the process of life that they're going through. And that's more important to us as a family is to help set people free to really pursue their dreams. And I can't, you know, like what Julia said, we're not saying travel the country and live like we live like currently. And I don't think we hit on it currently. We are just in Denver for like 10, 11 months. We just rented a house And currently we are living, we have a five by 10 enclosed trailer that has our bikes, school stuff, some clothes, some food, and that's all the stuff. The rest of stuff, we did accumulate some, some stuff. So we put that in storage and we have one car and we are renting a VRBO in different locations and staying at those locations for four to six weeks. So currently we're in Phoenix. Next we'll go outside of Austin, Texas to Lake Travis. And then we're going down to Florida for probably two months in two different locations. And then we'll start to head up the the East coast. And that's kind of the journey that we're on now. So we're not in an RV currently. We rent a house. But to your point, I think that the concept here is by not starting, you fail like that. We're going to fail, right? Failure is inevitable. And so Travis and I even walked ourselves down to the point. Okay. If we fail, what if we run out of money? What if this doesn't work? What if you get as far as you can? What if nobody loves me, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> what if we ruin our kids for a lifetime? What if, what if Malachi's stuck in first grade forever? I mean, like, walk <laughs> it out. You know, like so many times we, in our heads, we make it bigger than it needs to be, or we don't talk through our greatest fears. We just bottle them up inside. And so there's a process of walk, and, and you still kind of come, especially when we're just so rooted in our relationship and our marriage and you go, I mean, okay, like the failure is not going. The failure is if we don't do this like that, I can't sleep at night with that. Mm. I, I, and the Iron Cowboy says this in his documentary, and this was one of those right before we pulled the trigger on this trip again, he says after he'd been been running a bunch of different marathons had like, you know, just won so many different titles. He had done like 34 in a year, like just beat record after record. And he said, I still looked at myself in the mirror and he says, I haven't found my edge. And Travis and I looked up and we were like, that's what we're talking (laughs) about. Like, where's our edge? Right. And so this is our edge. We've, we found our edge and that that, there is no failure in that. It's, it's, that's the part of life. 
Mm. And then going, yeah, digging either, even one layer. I think for me and Julia, the relationship that we do have, like we're committed to each other, knowing that we have at one point lost everything and lived in her mom, my mother-in-law's basement, unfinished basement, and we're struggling for probably about four to five months, licking our wounds of a massive, multiple kind of failures that led us to that spot. And so we, we talk through, okay, worst case scenario, as we put everything out there financially and okay, I'm going after this, we're going after this together as we travel with the kids and looked at all of the downsides to those and the worst case scenarios we're okay with. Because we moved us. back into my mom's basement, y'all. <laughs> so she doesn't have a basement oh, yeah, and she doesn't that. have a house. <laughs> yeah. We've been favorite. there. We can do that again, right? <laughs> there you go. So you look at worst case scenario, and I think it's the process of communication, especially if you're, you're in a relationship or married, of like, okay, here's, here's my dream. She talks about her dreams. And for years, our dreams have overlapped and interconnected. But I'm pursuing certain things outside of what we're doing with the Dream Factory and Co., and we talk about that and we look at it. Some of it's an investment, money and time. There's, there's some risk to some of the things, but at the end of the day, are you okay if I'm taking these risks? Do you, do you support me? Is there anything inside of you that is saying, don't, because I will listen to you. If not, I feel called to go after this. And the support that I have from Julia, that's one thing. I could I could buy a new car tomorrow. I could go buy anything I want. And Julia would never say, are you crazy? Like, she just trusts me so much. I've never gone to that edge. So maybe I'll try that edge of like. <laughs> but Julia, I, for the listeners, Julia's shaking her head right now. <laughs> so what you are saying is don't go on the road in an RV with four kids unless you have a really good marriage. The communication. And so we self-sabotage even before we start, because we talk about all the, we let fear get in the way. So we don't even process worst case scenario, or we get feedback from our friends and our family. And it's interesting if you look at most of the time, because I've heard this even from one of my family members at one point when I had rental properties and their perspective on being a landlord and an investor, and they've never had an investment property. And you're like, mm -hmm. so your friends and family give you information because they've created a truth for themselves, but it's yeah. not true based off of experience. And so you're going to get feedback, you're going to get input, and you got to filter it. Yes, some of it could be good and logical. Some of it, you've got to process and say, okay, I, I hear you. And now I'm going to look at the downs and now it's up to me to make that decision if I'm going to move forward or not. Yeah. Brene Brown says if uh, she likes to say, if you're not in the arena, uh, I don't value your opinion. And so, yeah, we, we always have those critics that like to be in the stands being spectators that want to, I don't know, give us advice. Totally. Yep. And you both are clearly coaches and it sounds like maybe even at times coaches for each other, certainly both of you, or at least one of you has hit these moments of fear and the discomfort around being super vulnerable, or we're not going to, you know, all the fears that come up that keep you from moving forward. What is like one good piece of advice you've given each other in that moment that you would give to anybody listening now? Like when all of that rejection and fear of failure and imposter syndrome, and we can't do this because, and what if, and what if, and what if, when that happens, what is one good tool that you've found 
that can kind of stop that and you can become mindful around it so it doesn't spin out of control. So for us, we talked a lot about the Dream Factory and co-our training is around identifying what your greatest limiting beliefs are, which are established years and years and years ago, right? I mean, there is a belief formation equation that we walk people through that, that happens when you're as early as five, six, seven years old that we just keep with us as truth. And so a lot of times when we're coming up against something, and even rightfully so that we might be afraid of, right? Or COVID has flip-flopped our lives and what are we supposed to do now? Or we're in a conversation and, you know, in our marriage and we're fighting over something, you're like, what is, it's never the thing, right? It's always the thing under the thing. And so we often, and again, because we're rather just, there's so much depth and we, we really love that and we've trained ourselves. We, we say to each other often, like, what is the thing under the thing here? Because it's warranted that you're upset or you're frustrated or you're fearful, but what's the thing, what is it tied to? And a lot of times it's tied to those initial experiences and all that head trash and that limiting belief that wants to keep you where you are, right? Because where I want to go, where I'm putting yourself out there or vulnerability or your dreams or all those things is a place I've never been. And so the mind and the brain just want to go back to what's familiar. And so for both of us, I notice that he says that with me and me with him, which is number one, what is the thing under the thing here? Cause it causes you to go, okay, it's not just, this is big or it's, it, I don't like it, but it's not just this. And then second is, is this really just my limiting belief? Is this just something that's so tied to experiences that it's not letting me create something new? That's huge. The awareness around why you're stuck is a, it's a big, it's a game changer. What would you say is one example for people listening maybe that we've worked through the last couple of weeks? Mm, I don't know what's not coming to me right away. Cause it's like you, you see, and I appreciate, you know, like you see us living the lifestyle that we're living and, and we're, we're still human too. So it's on a, you know, biweekly or monthly basis, something comes up because our level is, you know, up here where some people are starting down here and just starting to strengthen you know, that, that muscle for them to go pursue what they want or live the life that they've always dreamed of. Mm -hmm. But there's levels to this, just like physically and spiritually and financially. And so you get to those, you know, thresholds, those glass ceilings, and you have to rethink the way you've thought to overcome that. And, and we kind of back it down a little bit and dig deeper. Okay. Where is this potentially not just like, how do we bust past this glass ceiling to get there'll inevitably be another kind of ceiling to it. Well, and you ask that a lot. Travis <clears throat> comment to me a lot when he gets up places, give me a new thought. Cause every thought create right. Cognitive behavioral therapy says every thought creates an emotion. Every emotion creates an action. Every action creates a result. So Travis will say to me a lot, again, being more probably logical than I, I'm a little bit more, we're both emotional, but I can be, even. I just get, I just am a feeler like intense feeler. And he will go, give me a new, give me a different thought to look at the way I'm looking at this, which allows him to go reset his perspective. Because again, our thoughts do create our emotions and that's where we're making decisions out of. And so if my thoughts are, there's not enough, or no one will like me, or they're going to judge me, or it's never going to be good enough, or I'm going to fail, right? Then that's all that I, that's all that I see. And so we oftentimes work on giving each other a new thought or a different perspective or a different truth to, to reframe what we're looking at. Oh, I love that. I love creating a new truth because you're, you're working in a partnership and, and, you know, we do get locked in the way that we see things and to have your own partner right there to say, what if the real truth or another truth is yeah. this? I love, what a great 
Great tool. It makes me think, I know you both talk a lot on the concept of rethinking and, you know, changing your narrative, seeing a different story. And, you know, you're talking about getting stuck in some of your stories and how it can get you, keep you stuck in where you currently are. And then you have this goal out here of where you want to be. And you've got that gap that you guys talk about of getting from point A to point B how, how, what do you, what do you coach entrepreneurs or other people through in order to get from where I currently am to where I actually want to be? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing that is for awareness, right? So there's three levels to our, our growth coaching. And in the book, I talk about this a lot. We even break it up into sections, which is number one, like you have to create awareness too often to Travis's point. We just, you know, it's like driving home from the grocery store. You're like, how did I get home? Right. Like I, I didn't even, wasn't even paying attention because I've done this so many times that I'm actually muted to my life, which is why we're depressed, depleted, unmotivated, not disciplined. Right. Cause we're just, we're bored. Right. We're not picking the right heart, which I know we're taught. We love Travis and are big on pick your heart. But number one is that is creating awareness. The second part is building belief, right? So most of what got us where we are is from our past beliefs that have been all unconscious. And so we have to create and establish a new belief that's going to serve us and is really aligned with who we are and what God's created us to do. Third phase is taking action. You're going to have to do something about it. And so those awareness, belief, and creation, right, taking action is kind of how you start to go from where you are to where you want to be. But the awareness piece is recognizing that you have to differentiate between your mental chatter because our brains are designed to keep us where we are based upon where we've been. So why fear and worry and doubt pops up is, well, because remember the one time or on the news day, or if I did that before and I failed and they left me and I was a hundred thousand dollars in debt, all I'm, I'm judging my future based upon my past. That's, that's what the brain is desired to do. Whereas there's a knowing and an intuition that, is our heart to see other people be able to lead from such a deeper place within them because that's where it's going to take you to where you've never been. And so understanding the difference between that conversation and knowing where you're making decisions from is priceless. It's meaty. It's, it, it takes a lot of care and attention, but, but that's what we're trying to teach people because there isn't a one size fits all decision-making process for Ron to even like if Ron wanted to be in real estate, like trap, but there's no Ron right? Like Ron, there is no Ron, just like there is no Travis. And so yes, there's a lot of steps to follow, but there is no Ron, there is no Travis, there is no Tara. But if you can learn how to make the best decisions for you, now it's a game changer. Now, now the world gets a new version, a new iteration, a different flavor. And that's really what we need. All right, Julie, you make that sound so simple. Let me, let me, let me push back. I, I, let me focus on the belief part of it. I've never done this before. I've never done, you know, what, whatever it is that, you know, that, that point B that I have out there, that, that's out there that it's a place I've never been before. How do I create that belief that, that I can, I can be that person. I can, I can do that thing. Is that, how do you, how do we, I think that's going to be the big struggle for most people of to believe in themselves that they can, they can be a different person. What would be your answer to that? Simple, stupid, hard. This is what I'm going to tell you. It's simple, stupid, hard. You're going to have to pick your hard because it's hard to be stuck and it's hard to be free. Uh, it's hard to be fat and it's hard to be fit. It's hard to have money. It's hard to be broke. It's hard to be married. It's hard to be single. It's all hard, right? And so what happens, and this is why when you, Ron, when you and I first met, I was like, yes, I will have this conversation with you. Like, I can't wait to have this conversation with you. Is It's about picking the right hard. And I'm not saying like willpower ourselves through this. And no, I'm saying at some level, all of this is hard. And so if we can pick the right 
hard and making sure, okay, I can either shift into awareness or I can shift into avoidance. I can either really dig down and create belief, or I can just be busy. I can do it later. I'll get to it tomorrow. Right. And I fill my schedule. So it's, it's a conscious choice to pick the hard that you want most. Mm, And that, that'll lead right into my next question. Let's talk about this idea of instant gratification versus delayed gratification. I think most of the listeners probably intuitively know what that means if you don't, you know, on a deeper level. But I like to say, I use this, this phrase with my students that delayed gratification is hard now, but easy later. And instant gratification is easy now, but hard later. And it kind of goes into that idea that you're talking about. Both of them are hard. You choose when, if you want to kick the can down the road with instant gratification, you're fooling yourself thinking, oh, I want this easy life. I want to take the path of least resistance and I want that jelly donut and I want to do things that make me feel good right now. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, I want to avoid the hard. And I love your messaging there that we don't avoid it. It's hard either way. And which one is going to be more, I don't know, more beneficial to you. Any, any thoughts on that? I mean, obviously you guys couldn't have got where you're at without delayed gratification, right? Doing things that, that take time, patience, sticking to it, commitment, all of those things, right? Yeah. So Seth Godin in his new book, he, he talks about, we have, we've been trained to get, to get attached to the outcome as opposed to the process and the joys in the journey. It's really not the actual, whatever it is. Cause we, we keep seeing it, whether it's drugs or alcohol or shopping. If, if you're just going after that, you're missing the point of like the experience of it is really where you find yourself, develop yourself and, and ultimately like create more value to serve the world around you as opposed to just being there. That's why people that win the lottery, they lose it within a certain amount of time because they're not equipped to be able to steward it. Mm -hmm. Professional athletes, same thing. I think it's like 80% of them go bankrupt within us, you know, four or five years after stop playing because They don't know how to handle it. So if they were went through the journey and the process to be able to equip themselves, they could sustain that a lot longer. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's like, really, they're again, reframing it of like, okay, the, the joy is in the journey with the kids, you know, as hard as it is, having four kids. Like, I just want to get in the car. Under the age of Just be in the car. I want you all to be older and self-sufficient and wake up, have your breakfast, brush your teeth, do all the things. <laughs> but as I sit there and I look at them, I cherish these moments because this will pass and I'll look back and I'll, I, I will wish I, if I didn't take the time consciously to enjoy them and just, you know, when they're not getting in the car and and I say this and I catch myself of like, we need to go. And then I'm like, where do we need to go? Like, no one's waiting for me. We're going to the grocery store. Like, but it's like this go, go, go mentality. So it's just embracing, enjoying it. If he wants to go up and down, you know, the sidestep a few times and takes two minutes to buckle, like just embrace it. And so I think with the process of business or health and nutrition, everything, it's just a process. And if you can look at it from like, I know my, my end result. I know my goal, but I also want to be equipped to not just get there, but to sustain and maintain it. Mm. Great messaging. Great messaging. So love it. And I, I feel like we're just barely tapping into the incredible value that you two are bringing. Before we wrap up, how you've, you've intrigued a lot of listeners 
How do people find out more about what you're doing? Where do they go? What are some of the things that they can tap into that you're both working on right now or big things coming up so they can kind of follow and get involved uh, a little bit deeper with the two of you? Sure. Yeah. I mean, our website is that is the main hub. So the dream factory And really our mission is to help people get unstuck and clear about what they want most. And so people, if you are stuck and you want to be clear, sometimes you're like, well, I'm just stuck. Great. That's, this is what this is for. Now you have awareness that you're stuck. You have awareness that you're stuck, right? And you're aware enough to know that you're stuck, but not aware enough to know how to get unstuck. That that's who we work with. And everything that we do is to entertain and educate, right? We just believe in like, you got to be entertained. So we, we do weekly videos on YouTube. We do our own podcast. You know, we have our growth coaching that, you know, you can do from the uh, online format or one-on-one, but everything will be found at the dream factory and And then really our big, our big next project is the book dream. I dare you, which launches um, mid January, which we are really excited about. But that is going to be kind of the the catalyst for just the book clubs and our membership site and just really awakening dreamers and then bringing them together into a community format. So exciting. Your first book? Yes. Oh, wow. Congratulations. That's coming up quick. Uh, are, are you nervous? Oh, man. Talk about vulnerable. <laughs> I was super. <laughs> yeah, you, you put it out there and, and yeah, you're, you're opening yourself up to criticism. I've heard so many authors say that once you put it out there, everybody has an opinion and, and sometimes those opinions sting. Well, and my editor said when I first started, he said, this will be the loneliest and most vulnerable thing you'll ever do. And you're like, oh, wow. oh, and then you're like, oh, crap. No. Yeah. Lonely check. Vulnerable check. Twice. <laughs> uh, but can't not. Good. at some point you can't, I can't not do it. And that would get yeah. write the book or don't. I'm like, okay, kids, I gotta write. I <laughs> yeah. 10 years later, write I've it. heard about the book. Let's write the book. Then. Let's do this. Well, and maybe, maybe your answer here is to write a book, but we, we always end our show asking all of our guests one last question, which is what advice do you have for people that are listening when it comes to them building mental toughness, resilience, and or grit into their daily lives? What do you guys say? Do something new every day and then surround yourself with people, you know, whether it's just watching them, you know, on YouTube or get connected with people that are doing something the same or similar of the path that you want to go, because it helps you to put in perspective, like it is possible they can do it. I can do it. And it's just a matter of time. What do I need to do to get to where they're at? Mm -hmm. And mine would really be just pick your heart it's all going to be hard. Right. And so if you could just pick the hard that you want most based upon that outcome, but pick your hard, knowing to Travis's point that it's about who it's going to make you in the journey, just pick your heart intentionally. Thanks for joining us this week. If you enjoyed the podcast, please tell all your friends. If you didn't, let's just forget this happened and we'll try again next week until then. Join the revolution to forge metal and connect with us on social media.